before we get to our show, here is a podcast we think you're going to love. Hey, Meg, are you terrified when you see a large group of people dressed in the exact same outfit? Usually. Al, are you strangely intrigued by the idea of wearing linen to appease alien overlords? Mm-hmm. Do you find yourself sucked in by documentaries about cults from the 70s? Absolutely. Do you like your podcasts with wild but educated speculation? If you've answered yes to any of these questions, check out Can We Cult? Hosted by me, Allie. And me, Megan. We're two cheap wine aficionados slash best friends living in Portland, Oregon. Sure, we have some formal training and we do work in social services, but we got our real knowledge about cults from documentaries, books, Reddit threads, and again, wild speculation. Every Thursday, a new episode full of scary, sad, and hilarious stories with a whole lot of heart is released. You can check us out on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Overcast, as well as on all social media platforms at Can We Cult. Join, Join us, won't you? you? Hello, five listeners. How's it going? But they can't answer us. They that was can't. A dumb question. No, I was going to say if you're looking for the Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman rewatch podcast, you're in the wrong place. Damn. If you're looking for the ER rewatch <laughs> podcast because that was just released on Hulu, oh, you're in the wrong place. Yeah, you're in the wrong place. This is if you're looking for the very unofficial Unsolved Mysteries rewatch podcast with Liz and Samantha called Perhaps It's You. That's the name of the show. It is. And here we are. And here we are. How are you, Samantha? <laughs> In my mind, that was going to be way funnier. That that may have been one of our best intros yet. Oh, okay. Or maybe it was terrible. I don't know. Or it's the one where we didn't even say our names or the name of the show. That's happened a few times. (laughs) Listen, they know what they're listening to. Classic. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Uh, Do you have any updates or any news? I have no news. Um, We did pick a winner for our giveaway. (gasps) Oh, yes. So we should announce We're very randomly giving away a vinyl record from the band Choir Boy called Passive with Desire. And our winner is... Leslie. Leslie. Congratulations. We picked your name with a random number generator. Thanks for commenting and saying nice things about the podcast. Thanks to everyone who said nice things about the podcast. Yes. That was a good ego boost. The reason that I had that be, this was like unofficial cheap market research. Over the holidays, my dad was like, so what do people like about the podcast? And I was like, "Mm, I don't know. The reviews are good. (laughs) So I just thought I would ask y'all, what is it that you like? And we got some nice feedback. And it seemed to be mostly uh, Lenny Briscoe and mustache talk. So we'll increase that. We'll keep that up. You can probably hear Lenny Briscoe whining right now. Yeah. Because Mac has left. He's sad that Mac's not here. No, his life is over. (laughs) Pretty much. So So if you hear him clicking around. Uh, So I'm glad people like that about our show. (laughs) Yeah, there's a dog there for some reason, and that's good. Also, they take mustaches too seriously. <laughs> so, it was, yeah, it was nice to know what people like about the show. And yeah. uh, and congratulations, Leslie. We'll contact you on Facebook. Chances are we've already contacted you by the time this episode probably. is out. So, enjoy we'll your send record. Your record. Um, another update is that we're going to have a bonus episode coming out <laughs> for our Patreon subscribers because we have several. People are supporting it's the weird. show on Patreon. It's weird and great. Thank you so much for everyone who is contributing to our little podcast. We're going to probably release a bonus episode. We're hoping for one a month. We haven't totally figured out all the details, but... Yeah. 
that's gonna be coming up i don't know when when we... and it'll be um donations of any level yeah at any level you can listen to our episode so yeah we're gonna be recording that later today and releasing it sometime mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yep that's gonna happen it'll be a bonus so it's not gonna replace our regularly scheduled episodes yeah and none of those will be unsolved mysteries content yes we're gonna do unsolved mysteries adjacent yes things because there's a lot in the, the Unsolved Mysteries-ish world yes. to discuss, to explore, mm-hmm. other mysteries to solve or not solve. <laughs> Probably not solve. Other mustaches to critique. Yeah, there's a lot of mustaches out there, guys, and they're not all on Unsolved Mysteries. Yeah, exactly. So that's pretty much Did we learn that have? they didn't really set a Cadillac on fire? Oh, that's right. What was it? It was an Oldsmobile that looks like a Cadillac? I don't know. I don't Someone... Even, I don't even care. Someone... <laughs> Someone on Facebook who knows about cars was like, that was not a real Cadillac they set on file. That was a similar looking Oldsmobile with a Cadillac logo. And I went, we're never going to get anything about cars right ever. Shrug. This is something you should just expect about us. We'll never get anything about sports, right? No. Mm -mm. Are you going to watch the Vikings game this afternoon? Nope. Neither am I. Not going to happen. Neither am I. Do you think it'll be worse for us if the Vikings are in the Super Bowl or better because less people will come into town? Worse for us personally? Yes. Okay. Yeah, and worse I'm, for you because you live in Minneapolis. I fortunately don't live in the city. I was kind of wondering if it would be better because less people will be tra- like if it was two out of town teams, wouldn't more people come here? But it seems to me, and I don't know anything about this, so I'm sure someone's <laughs> going to tell me how wrong I am. But by this point, this close to the Super Bowl, everybody has their everyone has their tickets. Yeah, probably. that's probably true. Actually, I think there's probably if that there, is how that works. There will probably be more partying, is my guess. The bars are staying open until four in the morning. It's going to be wild in the city. Oh, I didn't realize they didn't do that anyway. <laughs> no, no, they extended bar clothes I for see. Minneapolis. On, I don't know I'm, if it's just the weekend or I just the whole week. I don't go out, so... Yeah, it have I... When was the last time I was even awake at four in the morning? I'm probably to go to work sometime. Awake at four in the morning with insomnia, but it's not doing anything I'm, fun. Yeah, not at a bar. No. Mm-hmm. I'm not out in the city. So that's what I think. Um, it'll be exponentially harder for people that work downtown that's another i work in st paul so fortunately i'm not gonna be affected by that but yeah r.i.p anyone who works downtown minneapolis <laughs> maybe just take some vacation time i don't know i do have a friend who's going like winter camping somewhere else that weekend we know some people really that are going to idea. florida <laughs> yeah just like get me out of here they work in the city so they're taking a vacation yeah so yeah i don't know we'll see i mean do I want the Vikings? I mean, I guess I'm rooting for them because it's a hometown team. But no, I also I don't, don't give care. a shit about yeah. sports, and I'm not the biggest fan of the NFL. So, like, when teams win or lose, and people are like rioting, it's like, can I do that about something I'm interested in? Right? <laughs> what would you take to the streets and riot about? <laughs> like, what if they rebooted Unsolved Mysteries and we were like, whoa, we were just like partying the streets, like <laughs> flipping over cars and stuff? Like it would, just, it would be us and our five listeners out yeah, there, like, just Whoa! going yeah. crazy, just like yeah, like drinking in the middle of the road. And if the Vikings make it to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl, that's gonna be bananas. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure people will be having I was a great time. Accidentally in Chicago when the Cubs won. Oh, which I was like, oh, I'm so smart. I moved away before the Cubs won. I don't have to deal with this. But then. I don't know how sports work. 
<laughs> so I was in town and they like they kept win- like there ended up being more games because they kept winning or whatever. And so I was like, oh shit, like <laughs> I am here. So I was like out with resident librarian Megan. We were like at this like chic little cocktail place and we like look up and we're like, oh no, it's the sixth <laughs> inning. We've got to get home in case they win. <laughs> and so we like ran out and I was just like got into bed and I could like see the fire, hear the fireworks and I was like, oh shit, they won. <laughs> you were safely at home which is just hilarious because like everyone was going to chicago in case they won and i was like oh i did not mean to be here while this (laughs) happened yeah (sighs) but it was okay we're gonna have to to escape the city despite the gigantic parade yeah i just don't like that many people (laughs) so uh yeah by the time this episode comes out we'll know if the vikings are in the super bowl or not but we're recording on sunday morning so we've yet to find out yeah it seems like they always get real close and then my mom is a huge vikings fan so so i'm just picturing all vikings partying in the street over unsolved mysteries (laughs) (laughs) it just bothers me that's like the only thing you can get that excited about as an adult is sports yeah that's like the only socially expressible thing to get like really into and now kind of like some nerd stuff like marvel movies yeah but I mean, nothing even that, not that excited. But nothing that I'm into. <laughs> it is a damn shame. Like, what? That's weird. Anyway, anyway, we can talk about unsolved mysteries. Yeah, now. people are tuning out already. They're like, Liz and Smith are talking about sports. <laughs> they're talking about. And it's they, not even in the episode. They don't know any. They're just going over and over again. We don't know anything about this. <laughs> All right. Well, we've got five mysteries to talk about today. If you're following along on Amazon Prime, we are on episode 18. And there's another Robert Stack turtleneck in this episode. Oh, did I write that down? I sure as hell did. You bet. kind of a burgundy. Yeah. Is he wearing the same parka? I wrote that exact same thing. I said, is Robert Stack wearing the Alcatraz outfit? I think he's wearing the same parka. Yeah, he brought it to Colorado. I also wrote down, did Robert Stack pioneer the duck face? pout you know like the selfie duck face pout go back okay so if you are one of the people and there's people who i know do this listen to our show and follow along they watch the episode first and then listen to our show go back and rewatch the first five seconds of this episode when robert stack does his intro he has a, a duck face like it looks like he's taking a duck face instagram selfie he's just trying to you know he's got that it looks good on him i'm not you he's know. trying to do his thousand yard stare of cold ice <laughs> and then he's like you know he's got to slim the slim in the cheekbones i guess right? i should mention speaking of robert stack's thousand yard stare the magnets that rochelle got us oh yeah that featured robert stack in an icy glare <laughs> and it's like he's piercing your soul with his eyes staring at us from the fridge right now oh, i can see him all the way from over here <laughs> i posted a picture of it on instagram and i linked to the etsy shop because there was a lot of people were commenting on that post saying how much they wanted one and like tagging their friends so i edited it to include the etsy shop so you can go oh cool get an item they sell some other cool stuff too it but seems like a, everybody could use a robert stack magnet everyone wants that on their fridge I mean... So if you want your own... And it's a solid quality magnet. Yeah, follow us on Instagram. We're at Perhaps It's You. But anyway, so... this Episode 18! This first mystery is an unexplained death. And the segment opens with some crazy dune buggy racing shots. Yeah, I... This episode gives you that variety of unsolved mysteries that I really like. And this segment is wacky because of all these, like, 
it's racing footage. It is a little crazy. Mickey Thompson. So we see a guy in a dune buggy. I'm just, they never actually call it a dune buggy. They call it like an off-road race car. I just, I'm just assuming that's what it is. Let's just call it dune this buggy. This is another thing I know nothing about. Oh, yeah. Anything no. having to do with race cars. Nope. So I'm calling it a dune buggy. Please tell me how wrong I am. Or not. Actually, don't, because yeah. I don't give a shit. But it's really fun to say dune buggy. Sure. So let's just stick with that. So they have a camera mounted inside the car facing the driver and it's bouncing around. The production value on this segment is pretty good. It's nice. There's other shots from above and you can see it kind of like careening around corners in the desert and there's like jam and 80s music playing. Robert Stack's voiceover tells us that Mickey Thompson was a legend in the world of auto racing. Cars were Mickey's life and they propelled him to success beyond his dreams. Was it really beyond his dreams though or were those his literal dreams? I think they were his literal dreams, but who knows. <laughs> he accomplished his actual goal. Yeah, he wrote down, become super successful race car driver when he was like six years old. He and made some he, smart goals, yeah. And then he, he put it on his vision board and he fucking did it. Yeah. So among Mickey's many innovations were the slingshot dragsters. Which, thank God. What, what were we doing before this? I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to live in a world without those. And in 1960, his home-built Challenger was the first car to break 400 miles per hour. Which is insane. That is nuts. Uh, yikes. Mickey was also a pioneer in promoting off-road racing. So That's where a lot of the cool footage wherever. comes from. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Looks very dusty and I don't know. Yeah. Mickey's son, Danny, says that a good description for his dad was flat out all the time. He was pedal to the floor. So, Yep. <laughs> That's so, another thing. He do, you probably, want, do you want people to say that about you at your funeral? Sure. Samantha people who was, know me will be like, she doesn't even drive in the fast lane. <laughs> Samantha was pedal to the floor. Yeah, no, I drive like an old lady. No one's going to say that about me. As we recently, Minnesota installed some like express lanes on the highways oh yeah and since i work in the city and i live in the suburbs people constantly ask me do you have one of those express lane passes and i'm like no i drive like an old lady (laughs) i'm perfectly fine just driving along at or below the speed limit and having people fly past me in the listening to your audio book yeah Yeah. more time i don't want to i'm not in a hurry to get to work i want to listen to my podcast (laughs) no so no one is gonna tell tell, say that i lived and loved in the fast lane i'm still gonna say it about you you'll say it but everyone will know it's a lie if i go first yeah i mean if i'm at your funeral if i die first or we die together solving a mystery and then there's some sort of explosion which is kind of what i hope happens yeah we're like i don't know what 90 years old we go into a cave (laughs) we're out peddling crab cakes to people and somehow meet our demise yes at the same time same time people will say we lived pedal to the floor I don't know. Maybe put that in my will so people have. Do people have to say that? Break out your handwritten will and we'll put it in there. So Robert Stack says that Mickey's obsession with speed drove him far, which I don't know if that was an intentional pun or not, but I think Robert Stack knew what he was doing. Sometimes too far. In the midst. Sorry. I love your added gasps. Usually they're not intentional, and then that one was the cheesiest, stupidest thing ever. <gasps> oh no! Oh no! I'm gonna control myself now. In the mid 70s, a speedboat accident paralyzed him from the waist down. And the video footage—I don't know if that was the actual accident, but it was terrifying. 
I wrote down, I will never get paralyzed in a speedboat accident because this is not my life. I'll never be on a speedboat. Yeah, that'll so. just never. If, if that happens to me, the odds are like, buy a lottery ticket that day because <laughs> something is out of whack. We live in the land of 10,000 lakes. Have I been on a lake in the last 10 years? No. <laughs> I have not. I was I was over the summer, but it was in Wisconsin, so it kind of doesn't, doesn't even count. count yeah. Doesn't count. Yeah. So doctors felt that he would never walk again, but Mickey proved them wrong. Then we hear about Mickey and his wife, who worked all the time and led very hectic lives. Colleen Campbell, Mickey's sister, tells us that they didn't work an eight-hour day; they worked a sixteen-hour day. And I was just like, that sounds terrible. Sure does. She says that they had a goal and they were trying to achieve it. It's not clear what that goal was. I guess just be the best be at racing. really good at racing. I suppose. But at any rate, it's clear that they worked hard and they like to work hard. Mickey and his wife, Trudy, opened a successful stadium racing company. Mickey confided in his sister that he had received death threats, but the... For uh, what? Well, they literally never say why. It's one sentence in the mystery and they just move on. That seems like an yeah, important I was so piece confused. of the puzzle. He they received never say, death threats. For inventing the slingshot dragster? Like, I, it's not clear. Colleen says that Mickey was concerned that an individual was going to hurt his baby. His baby meaning Trudy. What I wrote down was Colleen says this in a way that makes it sound like Mickey had a specific person in mind, but they never say who that was or why he was getting these death yeah, threats. Yeah, it's confusing. Because prior to this, they were just talking about how successful he was and how happy he was, and it seemed like how everyone loved it's him. It's like everyone loved him, except for the death threats. It's really confusing. Mickey and Trudy lived in the affluent rural community of Bradbury, California. At 6 a.m. on March 16, 1988, Robert Stack says that the quiet was broken by the sound of gunfire. That reenactment guy who hears the gunfire, he, like, bolts out of that bed. He, like, <laughs> If I heard what sounded like air. gunshots, and I, was, I would just be like, what? That was probably a firework, and then I'd roll back over. But yep. this guy, like springs on a trampoline to the phone <laughs> the shots came from the mickey thompson's home at the bottom of the driveway the police found trudy's lifeless body nearby mickey thompson also lay dead can i say how much i loved reenactment dead judy's nails they were good and her jewelry yeah she was wearing like seventy five thousand dollars worth of jewelry uh-huh. something like that. but anyway so yeah they show her hands to show her Massive rings. Massive, beautiful rings. And I was like, look at those nails. Her nails were nice. Very nice. So, <laughs> Robert's text says that the precision and cold-blooded nature of this double homicide convinced investigators that this was no amateur killing. Okay. I don't know how they could possibly... Possibly no. This They're just shot dead. They're laying in the driveway. I don't know how precise that is, but apparently it was. Uh, so, like you said, Trudy Thompson was wearing $70,000 worth of jewelry, including some massive gaudy rings. So, robbery doesn't seem like a motive. Yeah, no. Yeah, she was wearing tons of jewelry. Then we see my, uh, investigator Michael W. Griggs of the L.A. Sheriff's Department, and I wrote down MVM, question mark? Yeah, he was a contender. I mean, it's just a cop mustache, but... And I wrote down a very thick and imposing mustache, cop mustache. Anyway, he says that it's not like the jewelry was hidden or anything. It was clearly visible and clearly worn. uh, She was clearly wearing a lot of money. So police also found a stun gun at the crime scene. And this guy says that they can't say it belonged to the victims because their friends told them that they never knew about it. 
I mean, my friends don't know everything I own, so I'm not sure. Yeah, would you know if I owned a stunt? I guess I would probably show you. Yeah, I would probably. But we're weird like that. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't seem like necessarily they would know. Yeah. If they bought something for self-defense. Yeah, Would their friends know that? I don't know. I have no idea. A witness to the gunshots is shown on the show with his face blacked out. He says that he heard Mickey screaming, please don't hurt my wife, in addition to several gunshots. Mm, That's really sad. He also says that he saw two black men speeding away from the crime scene on bicycles. So, that's take that for what it's worth. <laughs> Colleen, Colleen says that you could almost set a clock around Mickey and Trudy's schedule. They would leave every morning around 6 a.m., so it would be easy for someone to know their routine and ambush them. So, I guess. Investigators felt that it was odd that the killers would ride to the crime scene on bikes. And for some reason, they also thought it was strange that the gunmen would fail to use silencers. Yeah, I don't know why they emphasize that so much. It's Do they think that life is like an action movie? It just doesn't seem like silencers are I that thought they common didn't even of a thing. Work that well. I have no idea. I don't know not much about guns, but yeah. we rarely see It's not like silencers people using are silencers used in murders. all of these other cases. No. no. So I'm not. They're like, what kind of fools would be doing this without silencers? Yeah, it seems so professional. Mm-hmm. I have no idea. So Greg's thought maybe the killers intended to abduct abduct Mickey and Trudy, making an escape with them in their own vehicle, which I guess is a fine. I don't know. Maybe this was yeah. a uh, abduction I gone that. wrong. I can see it. I guess with you could stun gun and. Yeah, safely assume that... Put them in their own vehicle and then put the bikes in there because it was a van. Yeah, right, and given how much money, how wealthy they were, like an abduction extortion attempt could Yeah, they could hold them sense. for ransom. Or... Maybe this was just gone wrong. But of course, that's all speculation. They don't but also, have they seem to evidence. shoot them immediately. Yeah, not so really. So it would, it would have to go wrong in like five seconds. Well, and here's what potentially... Mickey th- saw this happening, brought out his stun gun and was trying to fight back, and then they ended up getting shot. I'm not sure... That's true. We really don't know how it went down. But after 13 years of investigation, police arrested Mike Goodwin, who I wrote down is noticeably not black. (laughs) Goodwin was Thompson's former business partner. Police believe that he orchestrated the murders. They believe that his motive was based on a personal vendetta along with financial gain. Goodwin's very slimy lawyer is filmed saying that there has never been any evidence against his client. So, oh my god, yeah, okay. I don't know. Police claim that a witness recently came forward saying that they saw Goodwin sitting in a station wagon in the Thompsons' neighborhood spying on them with binoculars several days before the murders. And then the slimy lawyer comes back and says that the location described by the witnesses is almost hilarious and that you won't be able you wouldn't be able to see the Thompsons' residence from there. But he was tried and convicted and sentenced <laughs> to two consecutive life terms without parole. So, yeah. Seems like he probably did do it. And, yeah, who was sending them death threats? Was it this guy? I don't know. Yeah. It's kind of a strange segment. They, they, I don't know if they just didn't know, or they're, like, keeping some information out for some reason that they didn't want the public to have. Yeah. That they were, like, saving for the trial. It's, It's almost like, and I forget the victim's name, but the man in Arizona who they made seem like he was just a boring church going oh, yes. middle-aged man yeah. and like turns out they didn't tell us that he was actually like involved in a drug trafficking ring right like why would, which was why he was murdered <laughs> kind of an important <laughs> detail that they managed so, to overlook i guess it's yeah so, it's, so is the claim that 
this was a murder for hire. The business partner. I think that was the claim. Hired two people to shoot him. Hired these two black guys. Okay. That's what they think, but. Or just two neighbors were like, why are there two black guys in our neighborhood? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Very well. (laughs) So, yeah, but this guy seems like he was responsible and they never found any accomplices. So. Yeah. Well, who knows? He anyway, was the mastermind. Yep. Do you want to talk about a, another prison break? Sure. Why not? Let's we talk about didn't this. Have, we didn't get enough with Alcatraz. Let's talk about this wanted case for Michael Wade Mohan. The master of disguise. Yeah. Okay. Let's get that right <laughs> out of the way. They call this guy a master of disguise at one point, And they show photos of him just wearing a cheap ass Halloween <laughs> wigs. It's so if bad. If this guy is a master of disguise, I'm like a super, I'm a super duper master of disguise because I can wear a Halloween costume. Like, I was like, this is fooling people. I can't. Putting on fake glasses and a cheap wig. It's like, it could, he could Not only anyone. was it a cheap wig, but it was the craziest wig I've ever seen. Well, he didn't brush it. He the just like. The direction that took, hair was going. He took a shake and go wig right out of the bag. I'm acting like I know what I'm talking about because I watched Drag Race. He took his shake and go wig. <laughs> this was no lace front, you guys. <laughs> yeah. And he just slopped it right on his head without brushing it. And then was like, this is clearly my hair. It like, wasn't though- even sitting right on his head. It was like over ha- covering half his face. It was Ma- master of disguise. Well, please put some of those masterful disguises up on oh, I Instagram, will. please. So this is from December 31st, 1983. Michael Mohan gets into a high-speed chase with the police after a attempted burglary is reported. And this was my question about this case. It's okay. So Michael gets in all this trouble after evading arrest. And then just, like, keeps... That, like, continues his downfall. Did he actually commit a burglary in the first place? No idea. Like, what was what was the crime he was actually into? Or they was really he just, never say... Is he just into high-speed chases? <laughs> really don't. Okay, so he's, he's suspected for a burglary. He ends up with a high-speed chase, high chase with the police. It ends up with, like, him and a police officer, Kevin Arnold, in a struggle over a gun. Great acting in that reenactment. Yeah. <laughs> it's very, very good. And Arnold shoots him, like, six times uh-huh. during the struggle, but Michael Mohan lives... And continues to fight. Continues to fight him. After he keeps getting shot. I'm not sure if the police officer was intending to kill him, but if he did, he was a bad shot. It sounded like they maybe he was fighting for the gun. Yeah, I don't think he really got to, like, aim it, yeah. right? Because they were in a struggle for the weapon. I think maybe he had a second weapon. Mm-hmm. And anyway, so Michael Mohan gets sent to prison. He is in getting physical therapy for his because he's been shot six times, <laughs> and he uses that opportunity to get the jump on the guard or mm-hmm. officer who was escorting him to physical therapy. He somehow had a pistol, or he takes that guy's pistol. That wasn't exactly clear. That was not clear. So but he found out what what happened was he overheard a nurse saying when he well, was coming in yes. next. So he knew 
what the schedule was going to be and somehow I think maybe smuggled in a gun because he knew the specific day or something. Yeah, I guess his schedule was supposed to be a surprise. It was supposed to be a surprise to him so he couldn't plan an escape, but then he overheard when he was going to be there next and managed to... Unsolved Mysteries, or at least... I can't remember if it was they Unsolved totally Mysteries. They were blaming the, like, nurse or receptionist who said, like, if they, it wasn't for this, he would have just escaped some other time. Oh, my God. They also made it sound like he was some kind of genius mastermind because he had overheard her and, like, formulated an escape plan based on that. I'm like, I don't know. Set our bar a little higher for genius masterminds. Yeah. This, no, this guy's not a genius. He just really, really does not want to be in jail. So <laughs> he was able to get a handgun. He handcuffs the officer to a pole and then escapes. And his wife, Shannon, is, like, waiting outside. She's arrested several days later and is charged with aiding and abetting a fugitive. She pleaded guilty to the charges and was later paroled. He was arrested a few days after that. I'm not quite sure how they found him, but... I don't I don't recall. I, the, I was so okay. bored by this that... <laughs> I'm not sure if this is the escape that leads to another high street chase that includes two helicopters. Well, he was being transported in a van, right, yeah. with some other prisoners. and Okay, yeah, that's the sec. Okay, so he's arrested after that escape. Then he's in a van with a bunch of prisoners, and he kicks out the glass, him and another prisoner, mm-hmm. after two female inmates who are about to be released beg him, please do not kill the guard, which was their original plan, because we would like to actually be released on time and not <laughs> in trouble for your bullshit. Yeah. So they just kick out the glass and run away. And that ensues a high-speed chase that involves helicopters and... Well, and in the reenactment, they're very dramatically stripping off their their prison uniforms as they run to reveal their chiseled abs. <laughs> yeah, that that happens. <laughs> I'm sure that's how it went down. I'm sure. But Slow wasn't his motion. wife there again to pick him up, or was, am I wrong about that? I... Am I, con- am I'm I like combining the at, two? I'm looking at my notes, and I did not distinguish between the two escapes he escaped a lot he escaped a lot while the driver was away for a second no that's not true he was away for like 10 minutes you have to be away for a while to kick out kick out a window um okay yeah so they so when this episode first aired they believed that mohan was with his life shannon and that they were on the run so this aired in april 12th of 1989 and within minutes tips to unsolved mysteries led to their capture in mobile alabama they were using the name steve and mary boswick a viewer recognized michael as the man who had recently painted his house um, and he was returned to california prison sharon was returned to prison for violating parole the attempted murder charge against michael for the police officer was later dropped i'm not sure why they both served their time and have since been released um that police officer has since passed away yeah one thing I remember about this episode is he was in a car chase with the police, and after they caught him, they were saying how surprised they were that he was friendly. Yeah, I think he just was like, well, I'm going to escape again, so, so I don't really care that you caught That must have been the same. I'm sorry. I, honestly, this is I like don't remember. all over the I place. Took very, the only notes I really took about this case was about the wig. So I'm not able to contribute a ton, but it, it was a personal oh escape. God. I don't know. Okay. My confession is that my notes and the Unsolved Mysteries wiki don't line up very well. And that's why <laughs> it happens sometimes. I'm all, I'm like, but so the, the second time that he escaped and got arrested, he told police that his name was Claude Banks Tillman, but he wasn't very convincing about it. <laughs> 
And they said he was just like kind of joking with them. They're like, ah, oh, Banks, is that a family name? And he was like, no, it's a money name. Yeah. What? This guy seems like a tool. Yeah, because he, because just, I just assumed he was like, oh, I'll just escape. But then they recognized his photo from the wanted poster and they were like, oh, this guy's actually Michael Mohan. Mm-hmm. I'll let them know that he's in custody. And then he ended up escaping from that transport vehicle. Do you think he actually had chiseled abs? I, no, I don't know. I doubt it. <laughs> This is all Samantha can think about. Listen, it was the best part about this segment because it was a no, news the, fest. The disguises. No, the, well, okay, the second disguises best. were the best part about this segment. Second best. Uh, he did get 16 years for assault with a deadly weapon, but he's out by now. So you might see Michael Mohan around. If he's listening. Hey, Ask Mike. him if he has hey, chiseled abs still. Ask him. If you see him, go, hey, Claude Banks Tillman, <laughs> and see if he says anything. Sounds good. Okay, that's my episode that I totally bungled, and I'm sorry. That's fine. It, you got some really boring mysteries in this episode. I sure did. I lucked out. I got some true crime, and I got Bigfoot. Yeah, I, I was like, what? I didn't get Bigfoot? And I was honestly jealous. So, so here we go. Here we go with Bigfoot. Bigfoot. So we head to Pikes Peak, Colorado. And as we see some beautiful sweeping shots of snow-capped mountains, Robert Stack tells us that it is 100,000 acres of dense wilderness. For centuries, he tells us it has been a sanctuary for bobcats, black bears, and mountain lions. But most recently, there have been reports of a different kind of animal roaming the woods. So it's also a sanctuary before... Bigfoots. (gasps) So they say. What? (laughs) Then we see Jeremy Swisher, who says that it looked like a big man or a big shape coming towards us, and we turned around and started running. We get his story later. Oh, I think that's my MVM. Jeremy Swisher? Did he? Oh, okay. I put MVM. Are you sure it wasn't Dan Messias? No. Because I I wrote down about his mustache. I I wrote down MVM equals Bigfoot believer and possible fake mustache perm? question mark i think that's dan messiah okay, we're gonna okay. get to him he, he had a pretty good mustache we also see a man who chose to be blacked out and i wrote down despite the fact that even his shadow looks like someone who would believe in bigfoot <laughs> that's such a read that's so cruel listen tell me i'm wrong no i can't because you can see that little mullet wisp curl and that mountain man beard yeah yeah everybody it. thinks you believe in bigfoot whether you get your face blacked out or not <laughs> He said it had a small torso, but long legs and long arms. I don't know. Then Dan Messias, who I wrote down, has a very nice mustache and very big hair. Yeah, that's okay. That's him. Believes that whether... That's my pick. Because his mustache looks like a fake mustache you get in a spy kit and just stick on. I have a theory about Dan Messias that maybe your fake mustache thing corroborates. We'll get to it. So he believes that whether these creatures are, whatever these creatures are, they are more human than ape. And he goes on to say that he believes there may be a small band of anywhere from seven to ten of these creatures. Yes. It's not clear what qualifies him to make that claim. A small band. And they actually play instruments. (laughs) (laughs) There's a fiddle player. Yeah. They're called the Sasquatches. (laughs) And they are the coolest new thing. Oh, my God. Could you imagine? That would be way better than seeing a Bigfoot. Is seeing 10 Bigfoots jamming. Their band would be called the Sasquatch Band? (laughs) The Sasquatches. I don't know. That's very creative. <laughs> if you have creative. a better name, band yeah, name for our... what would you call a band, a literal musical band of 10 Bigfoots? Let us know. It's more than just a band. They'd have like a whole orchestra well, at that point. Well, it's like a ska band. It has a, okay. lot of, <laughs> has a lot of members. 
It's like Chumbawamba. Well, seven to ten is what Dan says. How? Yeah, how would he know that? I have no idea. So Robert's dad comes in wearing his Alcatraz outfit, a red turtleneck, and a puffy blue parka, and also some snazzy old man leather gloves. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Robert's dad says that the Indians called them Sasquatch, which is a little problematic, but it was a different time. Today they are known by the name Bigfoot. So are they real is basically what Unsolved Mysteries is asking. If you could see Robert Dick suppressing laughter. Oh, yeah. I bet there's time. some ta- takes on the cutting room floor where he's like doubled over. Oh, like, for sure. You expect me to say what? This is why Robert Dick was one of the greatest actors of all time. Because he kept a straight face. But you can but see he, the twinkle. Well, that was like, you know, for like the skeptics in the audience. He you kinda can see the like. Had a little uh, wink. Uh, yeah. He, Bigfoot. <laughs> We found some crazy people who believe in Bigfoots, guys, and then he kind of like winked a little. But not even, it's just a like eye sparkle. <laughs> you can tell. Yeah, you can, you tell. can totally tell. So, Robert Stack says that recently physical evidence has been found in Colorado that suggests perhaps, just perhaps, he says there is a Bigfoot. No, that's not true. <laughs> Next, we see a reenactment. Robert Stack narrates a scene which is a snowy cabin in the woods. Someone is walking away from the house. And we hear that on the morning of March 27th, 1987, local resident Dan Messias's son discovered a set of mysterious tracks in the newly fallen snow. The boy shows Dan the tracks, and despite having spent most of his life exploring the outdoors, Dan could not recognize these tracks. He says that upon investigating, I determined that it was something very strange and related to the past footprints we had seen around our home. The next night, him and his son stayed up late, and every 15 minutes, they went to the window. About a quarter to midnight, he spotted two large creatures running down his road. He describes them as one small and one large. They were covered in hair, but looked just like humans. Then we see a drawing, and we aren't told who made this drawing, if this is like a drawing of what he saw or what. Um, and then we see actual photographs you of the mean footprints. the greatest artwork ever created? It's, we've seen worse on this show, but... They just look like hairy humans. I don't know. It's just like the outline, like a crossing work man. You know, yeah. like something that would be on a sign of just the outline of a man. And then you drew a bunch of hair on it. Yeah. And then like the running Bigfoot looked very strange. In a very strange shape to it. I really hope that's not real. Because that was that would a be, nightmare. That would be terrifying to see. <laughs> so we also see an actual photograph of the footprints they found the next day. And I wrote down that they look like large shoe prints. Yeah, they literally just look like... And they're like, oh, they're one foot long. And I was like, that's not very... You mean a footprint is a foot? They described them as like the large set of footprints as basically being like a man size yeah. footprint. And then the small ones was like a women size eight. <laughs> so... <laughs> What could it be? What could it possibly have been? Someone was playing. They also ran the story of like Dan and his family seeing these footprints in the snow in the newspaper. So this clearly like could have been two people just playing some pranks on him. I mean, I would do that. <laughs> I probably wouldn't, but you know, or maybe it was Bigfoot. I don't know. Next, we cut to a man named <laughs> Vaughn Langman who looks just like Dan Messias, except with messed up hair. And and I wrote down, are they the same person? <gasps> 
this is the animal physiologist they literally look like the same person except the animal physiologist like messed up his hair a little bit and isn't wearing the fake mustache they have the same mustache like that's why i thought it was the same person if like they both have the same big hair the same mustache and like vaguely the same face shape except like it, look, it looks like just dan like mussed up his hair and put on a cheap suit and sat in the lab you just blew my mind because i was like <laughs> what scientist is gonna say this must be a Bigfoot. I think it was just Dan. This whole time he's wearing a fake mustache. I don't know. That's my theory. I use. I'm blown away. <laughs> I believed that mystery way before I believed in Bigfoot. That was my theory about Dan. That he's just playing a big prank on everybody. I love it. So anyway, can he guys, please be a most valuable mustache with his possible fake mustache? We could do that. We'll put him side by side on Instagram. You guys can tell us if you think it's the same person. <laughs> Please. So Vaughn, quote unquote, is holding a plaster cast of a foot. Robert Stack tells us that he's an animal physiologist. I'm just I put in my quotation head. marks. We don't find out where this plaster foot came from. He just says that they can't identify the foot and that it would be a great discovery if they found a bipedal ape living in the Pikes Peak region. Yeah, it fucking would. <laughs> I need a scientist to tell me that. It would be amazing if we found out that not only is there a species we haven't discovered before, which does happen. But it was a giant ape. But it was a giant living ape. Living in a, po- a densely populated area. Yeah. That's... <laughs> I don't know. That would be pretty remarkable, folks. <laughs> yeah. So we get a couple sighting stories next. On this one summer afternoon in 1978, Jeremy Swisher and five companions came face to face with an extraordinary creature while hiking. Apparently these guys hiked in all denim and crouched down, strangely yeah. sneaking around rocks. That's was, how I hike. The reenactment was very strange. Jeremy says that... <laughs> They came around the base. Samantha's judging, judging hiking skills. Yeah, I'm probably the last person to judge hiking skills. <laughs> I don't spend a lot of time hiking. Jeremy says that they came around the base of this big rock, and the reenactment is three guys in all, all wearing denim ensembles, stalking around, crouched down like something is going to fly at them from above. They were also on the lookout for pterodactyls. Maybe. Not just Bigfoot. Listen, you never know what you'll see out in the wilderness. Not just ten Bigfoots possibly playing instruments. <laughs> Could you imagine if you came around a rock and saw that? No. Don't interrupt our band practice. <laughs> We're busy. <laughs> we have, we rented this space for another half an hour. <laughs> and you're like, oh my god, it's Bigfoots. <laughs> Ten of them. <laughs> oh, Jeremy says that they saw what looked like an individual. It started to chase them. <laughs> He says that it looked like a six-foot-tall man. Maybe the arms were longer than normal, but it ran, or its run was more or less like an athletic person, and they ran away. I don't know. All of these stories aren't that exciting. Robert Stack... (laughs) All these stories are like, we saw Bigfoot, it ran away. Like, that's all of them. Robert... I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I have the church giggles now. I'm trying not to laugh and it's just making it worse. Do you think that we possibly are too skeptical to have an Unsolved Mysteries podcast? No, I think this needs to be approached with a a heavy level of... A healthy level of skepticism. Okay, sure. Sure. Well, anyway, that's how it is. Robert Stack's... 
We're not getting less skeptical. So, um, For years, people have reported sightings, particularly in the Pacific North- Northwest. The recent sightings in Colorado have all occurred in the newly populated cl- uh, area close to the boundaries of the Pike, Pike National Forest. Um, the guy who was blacked <laughs> now out comes back. Bigfoot Forest. Yeah. Um, he says that he was driving at night when he saw a creature walk in front of his car. He swears it wasn't a bear. Um, the reenactment of a guy in a Bigfoot suit is pretty funny, but otherwise... I thought that was actually a pretty good reenactment, considering. The guy did a good job. Or the guy, the man or woman who was in that Bigfoot suit did an okay job. They added job. some, like, I don't know, if it was dry ice, or... They got, they got some fog in there to help set the scene. It was at night. You could kind of see the Bigfoot in his headlights with the yeah, fog. It was pretty well done. Considering how dumb of a... <laughs> <laughs> I thought they did a pretty good job. The next one is the most ridiculous. We get the story of a cabin that was broken into in the middle of the night, and I just don't understand why this wasn't immediately attributed to bears. Uh, Because it was Bigfoots, that's why. They seem to be... Because it was ten Bigfoots. Ten of them. Just happened to break in and go through the garbage. Definitely wasn't a bear, (laughs) even though we live in the forest. So they seem to be pointing to the fact that the door was badly damaged as an indicator that this had to have been a giant ape. <laughs> I don't understand why. Samantha, <laughs> we all know that giant apes hate doors. <laughs> they damage every door. Ba- the bears aren't strong enough to break down a door. <laughs> giant apes will break down every door that they see. So... <laughs> Whatever had broken into the cabin was rummaging through the trash and was gone by the time the homeowner went to investigate, so definitely a Bigfoot, not a bear. There were also tufts of brown hair left behind, and in one of the biggest eye-roll moments in the history of Unsolved Mysteries... This is hard to take. They sent it to a diagnostics laboratory at the University of California, San Francisco, and someone who I assume is a legitimate scientist said that he tested the hairs for all major groups of mammals and have that have large specimens like deer, bear, and so forth. And it only reacts with primates. And of the primates, it only reacts with hominids. What what school was this again? This was uh, the University of California, San Francisco. Don't don't go to that school. (laughs) Look, what? (laughs) So I'm not a hair scientist, all right? I just watch a lot of forensic files and read a lot of books about true crime. But I've never heard of a method of testing hair that utilizes a reaction. Like a chemical, almost? I didn't understand what this guy was describing. Yeah, on forensic files to determine if something is cat hair or dog hair or You compare hair, it to they, another hair. They look under it under a microscope, and they look at the structure of the hair, and then they determine what kind of animal he it is. He made it sound like there was some magical test that would tell you yeah, if it was a, he seems a to chimpanzee like, oh, hair. we put, you know, acid on it, and then if it explodes, we know <laughs> what kind of animal it is. I don't know, you guys. I'm not, I don't want to accuse this university professor of lying but i don't understand what he was talking about and it does not seem scientific i mean in my limited knowledge of hair analysis which we all know is pretty bogus anyway because of uh the result that he came to i'm gonna say that he does not know what he's talking about yeah because he goes on to say that he even eliminated human and chimpanzee i just wrote down this whole thing is bullshit (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah. I stopped taking notes after solid reenactment in parking lot, and I drew a very bad picture of a Bigfoot. The last thing I wrote down is that my favorite part of the segment is at the end, when once again we get a cheeky smile and a wink from Robert Stack as he says, until hard physical evidence is found, skeptics will continue to doubt the validity of these claims, but skeptics have occasionally been wrong. I mean, I, I just love that. That's us. Yes, pretty much. <laughs> we, we've we occasionally been wrong, I will admit that, but listen, I don't think there's a Bigfoot. Although, for a bonus episode, we should watch an episode of Bigfoot Hunters. Yes. Maybe one that takes place in Minnesota, because a lot of them do. That's a great idea. Okay, so the reason I don't think there's a Bigfoot is because, is there really a part of the United States with wilderness so dense <laughs> that there could be an animal this large that people are actively looking for? And it would have to be, like, a population of these animals. Right. It can't just be literally one, because how is it surviving? Yeah. Um, Is there really any wilderness like that left? I have... It's hard for me to fathom that a giant ape (laughs) could live somewhere in the United States and no one would have ever gotten a better picture of it than, like... Those ones that are fake. Yeah, those ones that are fake, clearly fake, and are super shitty. Or, like, someone sees it... What I don't know. Wouldn't a Bigfoot have turned up on Google Maps by now? You, or we would have found a dead body. Like, that's a, like I feel like that's what a lot of people point to. Like, at one point, at some point, we should have found a carcass of a giant ape. And all we ever find are fingerprints and some sketchy hairs that are probably from bears. Yeah. So. I do love, there was a news story. I had to go back and look it up. It felt like this just happened, but it was fucking 2009. So that shows you <laughs> what I think. <laughs> Where scientists discovered all these new animals in Papua New Guinea that were in the crater of a no longer active volcano. And because that environment is isolated from the rest of the world, they had evolved separately. So -hmm. they found this like gigantic rat and a kangaroo that lives in a tree and (sighs) supposedly a frog with fangs though i tried to find a photo of that and couldn't so <laughs> maybe that part's not true there were pictures of the gigantic rodent oh interesting but that was like clearly in an isolated area that no one's been to yes like this is in the remote rainforest in papua new guinea which when the scientists went there the native people were like we don't go to this part because it's so remote that if you fall hiking up this volcano, no one will ever find your body. That's what they told them. (laughs) (laughs) But when they went inside the volcano, they found out all these new species, including this thing that looks like it's from the Princess Bride, this gigantic, weird rat thing. (laughs) So, yeah, they found a new species of gecko and 20 species of insects and spiders and possibly a frog with fangs. That, (laughs) who knows? So it is possible that there's things out there we don't know about. Oh, but, for sure. But like in Minnesota, there's something don't. we don't know about. <laughs> a giant ape? A giant, I don't think a so. Gi- yeah, not, oh, a spider that's this big, right? right. A, a gigantic <laughs> ape. I'm sorry. That's just not, it's not true. I think Megan Fox is a big believer in Bigfoot. Really? How about your friend Pat? Is he no longer your friend after this episode? I mean, he doesn't... Isn't he getting a Bigfoot tattoo? He is, but he doesn't listen to this podcast. Oh, well, then we're fine. We'll never know. (laughs) (laughs) All right, then. And actually, I think it's a Yeti. Oh, he's getting a Yeti tattoo? Yeah. Okay. But he likes Bigfoot Sasquatch Yeti things, and I don't... Does he just like it because it's a cool thing to like? Like, you like aliens and have, like, a Roswell-themed bathroom, or... I think he feels some sort of connection with them. 
he actually thinks that there are real Bigfoots. I don't know. Big Is it Bigfeet, if it's a plural? That's what I was wondering as I kept saying 10 Bigfoots. Is that the appropriate... Is, it- is that the plural... Who knows? Appropriate plural for big Bigfoot is big feet. Big feets. Big feets. <laughs> <laughs> We've gone off the rails. Um, I, it just seems unlikely that there's something that large that we don't know about. There's tons of things in the ocean we don't know about. Oh, yeah, for but sure. But people don't seem to care about that. No. <laughs> they just want to find a Bigfoot, not some sort of weird squid, which I think is way cooler. I would think, yeah. Well, and also exploring the oceans, you're actually going to have a chance of finding something that's... Yeah, there's, I mean, there's tons of stuff in the Versus ocean we don't know about. doing weird calls, yodel calls in the forest. People are just going to think you're an idiot. And those people are us. <laughs> so, uh, so supposedly there are a lot of Bigfoot sightings in Minnesota or something. So we could go look for Bigfoots, but... We could. That involves camping. I think I'd rather just watch an episode of Bigfoot Hunters. Okay, that sounds good. Okay, look for that. If you if you so wish. If you if you care. Do you want to talk about a lost heir that's super boring? Yeah. Yeah, I do. And so I got the most boring ones this show, which is fine. It was last work for me and it's as you know the from the, the terrible job I did on the last one, we'll see how this one goes. Uh-huh. So this is the heir the possible heirs of George J. Stein, who was a dude back in the thirties. <laughs> he was a dude. He opened a bank account. In, they start with one in Ripon, Wisconsin, but he actually had a bunch all over the Midwest, including Minnesota. Yeah. So perhaps this is the mystery that we solved, the most boring-ass one. Um, Doubtful, but He opened maybe. up a savings account for $120. He had no social security numbers on file and did not leave a home address. Between 36 and 52, he opened dozens of bank, bank accounts, primarily at savings and loans. He never claimed any of this money, which today totals, or at least when this aired, totaled, $130,000. Um, so he had three accounts in Indiana, two in Minnesota, and one in Illinois and Iowa. And just looking at this, I immediately was like, oh, he was a bank robber. Because yeah. it lines up with how mobsters from Chicago would come up to St. Paul, where they were being offered safe haven. Mm-hmm. St. Paul used to offer safe haven to criminals so long as they did not commit their crimes in St. Paul. Yep. So lots of, you know, the old-time gangsters would leave Chicago and come up to St. Paul and then drive around the Midwest committing their bank robberies and such. Yeah, St. Paul was fine if they went to Minneapolis and committed their crimes. But... Yeah, it was just like, don't do it here. Right. And that worked for a while. Anyway, um, so that's what was immediately what I thought when they saw the map. People have two theories about how George Stein used to be. One of them is super boring, that he was this... <laughs> salesman who sold like gloves Menagerie. and hats yeah that's <laughs> what they said okay so and that would have like kind of lined up with a salesman route so yeah it's possible they the name that they have that they think is ralph barnett okay so if you were ever related to a ralph barnett maybe this money is worse <laughs> and maybe he suddenly had a heart attack on the road and that's why he never withdrew from any of these accounts maybe maybe who knows and then someone else thought that he had more sinister motives. And on one of the return address envelopes, she found the name Ed Fay, which Ed Fay was a guy who had robbed a post office in Superior, Wisconsin. Back, but that was like back in 1903. He had stolen $15,000 in stamps and cash, which I realized that stamps are sort of like untraceable currency, but it's just hilarious to me to have like a fortune and like, we'll never have to pay for stamps again. <laughs> 
go go like join me on this robbery for free postage <laughs> anyway so he's shortly arrested after that robbery but he escaped from jail in 1904 and the reenactment of his jail cell is super weird he's like sitting there by candlelight it's really bizarre the wall of his jail looks like a garden lattice that's been he was wearing a suit that's been spray painted silver yeah he's sitting there wearing a suit which maybe people just wore their normal clothes back in i have no idea but the person um, that comes to bust him out has like a horse and he jumps on the back of the horse and runs off yeah dramatically they referred to him as a gentleman robber which is that might have to be the name of the episode because that's just a lovely <laughs> phrase it is actually a gentleman robber um so maybe it's that guy the problem is in order to collect the money this is so ridiculous you, you have to not only prove you're related to him you have to produce handwriting samples that match his known handwriting from that same time period as the accounts you have to have his signature yeah how who, the fuck is anyone gonna have that yeah i wrote down so. two notes about this case i have two literally two bullet points one is can you open a bank account without giving an address and two is this is boring and who cares give his money to charity <laughs> Yeah, they really should. I, according to the Unsolved Mysteries wiki, which we love and thank every day, no one has been able to prove that they are related to this guy. I mean, how could you? I don't know. This the, is really dumb. The woman that was talking about who believed he was Ed Fay, the gentleman robber, had the coolest glasses. Mm. And I just want to make sure that we discuss that in outfits. Okay. Yeah, she was pretty good. That was probably the best part about this segment. Yeah, because, I mean... It's just not that interesting, even with the Minnesota tie-in. Yeah. Uh, I, I well, if you're listening from Superior, Wisconsin, shout out. Yeah, shout out to you and your post office that once got yeah that once got owned just across Take the it. way from, from um, Duluth. Yeah, so that's really uh, all everything about that. Goodbye. <laughs> was just threw her papers on the ground. I mean, really, that was boring. So next, we'll talk about the last segment in this episode and it is an unexplained death it's a sad one it is really sad robert stack says that eight years ago the mill town of east millinocket maine was safe and secure the last place you would expect a brutal murder to occur robert stack says that it not was not me i expect brutal murders to occur everywhere so i'm gonna say this right off the bat that i just get really annoyed when they talk about like the quaintness of little towns and how safe and secure they are listen Crime happens Crimes everywhere. Crimes are happening there. People are being abused behind closed doors. Crime happens People everywhere. People being yeah. assaulted. Like, I realize you probably think that your little town is safe and secure and no one needs to lock their doors, but, like, bad things are still happening. Yeah. And, I don't know. They just spend a lot of time in this segment talking about how horrible it was for this town that this girl was murdered. I'm like, you are not the victim. <laughs> you, the whole town is not the victim of this murder. The this reason, girl was a victim of the murder. The reason that's irritating is because... They only ever, and this is still something that comes up on the news, maybe less like post Columbine, but it's like, oh, we never expected it to happen here. They only say that about a white town. Yeah, exactly. So it's the, and they it's, only say that when the victim was a cheerleader and super popular and everyone loved her, which is no less tragic than anyone else being murdered. Yeah, and so I don't want to. This is a tragedy, but yeah, but so is the death of anyone else. Like. I don't. It's they a just little spend, eye roll. They spent way too much time talking about how it's so sad that we have to lock our doors now because we don't feel safe. And I'm like, you weren't murdered. Your your daughter was not murdered. Right. Like this isn't really about this you. This isn't about you. So yeah. shut up yeah. about it. Like that was most of this episode. I'm like, can we talk about the actual murder and not just how sad you are that your kids can't play outside after dark because you're scared? Right. I don't know. I, that was my mini rant. So Robert Stack. I agree completely. Calls it a town of twenty six thousand souls. 
On August 8th. He's very poetic. I know. Except not, not people, just soul. Except Fred, who sold his soul to the devil years <laughs> earlier. That is so dumb. 25,099 souls. <laughs> yes, much more accurate. On August 8th, 1960, this sense of security was shattered by the brutal murder of Joyce McLean, a spirited and promising 16-year-old. And Joyce sounded like an amazing person. So yeah. it was very sad that she was murdered. We're not, we're not bashing Joyce. We're bashing people who biased reporting. Yeah. And people who think that, I don't know, I'm not going to go out about it again. (laughs) (laughs) So she was murdered in the woods behind the high school soccer field. Her murder has not been solved. So they spend some time talking about how the town will never be the same again, as if the whole town is the fucking victim. (laughs) That was exactly the words I wrote. So even though... (laughs) Anyway, even though the town only has 26,000 people in it, they somehow collected 6,000 signatures on a petition they sent to Unsolved Mysteries, begging them to showcase the story. Except Robert Stack is holding so many pieces so of paper. Much paper. That's not 6,000 signatures. He's holding just like clearly what was ever in the trash can to be like, look at look at what they sent in. I know. It, whatever. It's just a little silly. It was a little silly. Unless everybody's signature is on a separate sheet of paper, <laughs> that's not what he's holding. I wrote down Robert Stack is holding a massive pile of papers, far too much paper for a petition. <laughs> but I guess it adds to the effect. <laughs> so according to Unsolved Mysteries, Joyce was the kind of teacher that would make any family or any hometown proud. She played the flute in the school orchestra. She was an honor student, a cheerleader, and an officer of the student bo- body. She was popular and well-loved. And then, of course, her mom is featured in the show, and it's really heartbreaking. She says that Joyce had a lot of ambition and was excited to grow up. She was getting her driver's license and was about to turn 17. She had a big party planned with a band and everything. Joyce's mom is really, really sad. Um, Joyce was last seen alive jogging towards the soccer field around 8 in the evening on Friday night. Apparently in an all-pink sweatsuit. Yeah, it looked really great. So adorable. I know. Two days later, a volunteer searching for Joyce found her body in the woods behind the high school. They interviewed him, too, and that was also really sad. Yeah. He said it was... Clearly He never expected to see something like that. I mean, why would you, unless you're us? Well, yeah. (laughs) Not everyone is morbid like we are. The police officer says that that night there were groups of kids partying on the field. There was also a softball tournament in town that would have brought about 500 people out. It's not clear if these were townspeople or people from out of town or both, but it was there was a ton of people around that night, basically. Then they have two theories. One theory was that, a lo- that local boys were drinking at the field, and they started harassing Joyce and led her into the woods intending to sexually assault her. Um, there doesn't seem to be any actual evidence of this. Another theory, which they also don't have any evidence to support, is that Joyce's killer may have been a day laborer at the local paper mill. And I think that is entirely just because they don't want it to be someone from their quaint little perfect town. Yeah, because they said there was about 300 people that didn't live in the town that worked at that paper they mill. They were very happy to blame an outsider. Yes. So Okay. It had been eight years and her murder had not been solved. They talked some more about how people started locking their doors, blah, blah, blah. And then it's over. There is an update. So after 35 years, Philip Scott... Frontier, Frontier was arrested and charged with the murder of Joyce McLean. There wasn't any information in Unsolved Mysteries, so I went to Murderpedia, and I also found a 2016 article that says Frontier was arrested on March 4th, 2016, and has since been held without bail at the Penobscot County Jail. There's a tentative trial date set for January of 2018, and they had set bail at $300,000. 
Frontier pleaded not guilty on June 21st, 2016 to intentional or knowing murder and depraved indifference murder in the death of 16-year-old Joyce McLean on August 8th, 1980. McLean was last seen the night she was jogging. Her beaten body was found 36 hours later under power lines near the high school. She was wearing just her socks and sneakers. She died of blunt force trauma to the head, according to court documents. Her body was found face down with her hands tied behind her back with a blue cloth or cord. Um, her hair was in a ponytail. They found her jogging outfit shredded. Um, pieces were stuck nearby in a stone wall. It's really horrible. Um, on the same night that McLean went missing, Frontier stole a fuel truck and was in a serious crash that left him in a coma for several weeks. Weird. Frontier's mother, Anita Powers, testified that her son confessed to killing McLean in 1981 to her and her husband, Wayne Powers. Frontier also allegedly confessed to a former pastor named Vinyl Vinyl Thomas and former Maine State Police Detective William Caron. And then they list out some bullet points that are basically the evidence. Um, He and a friend were seen at the high school around the time Others said they saw McLean jogging near there. He was seen an hour to an hour and a half later running from the school, which was 400 or 500 yards from where her body was found. He told police in a September 1980 interview that he was not near the high school and did not know McLean. When interviewed in 1981, a year later, he told Karan that he had tripped over her body and said it was Mm. face down. He also said that her hair was tied back with a ribbon, which it was, and he described the insulator found near her body, which they think was the murder weapon. He also told police that he, when he stole and crashed the oil truck, he was trying to commit suicide. Since that interview, he has denied killing McLean and has not repeated his confession to law enforcement. Interesting. Um, During his more than 25 interviews with police over the years, he has named at least five different men, saying that they were either involved in McLean's death. At times, he said that he was a witness. Other times, he said he was forced to participate. According to previously published report, um, he's not naming the other men because they haven't been charged with a crime. And it doesn't seem like the trial has started. So that was the last thing I found. So possibly we'll get a trial this year in this... Yeah. This death. But turns out it was someone who lived in their town, and I don't know. The other suspicious thing that happened that day, this crash of an oil tanker, was connected. Like, no one thought that might be connected? Yeah, I don't know. Interesting. I mean, it didn't say anywhere that they had physical evidence. Right. So it doesn't say that they had DNA or any trace evidence that connected him to the crime they have his confession which it seems like has changed over the years people saw him running away from there about an hour after she probably was killed so it's circumstantial it seems like strong circumstantial evidence it's a sad story yeah it is sad i guess we'll see if there if there's there's a resolution to his case this year but it's really sad that she died and you know she seemed like she had a lot going for her i'm getting justice yeah, a long time. Just in 2016, he was arrested, and the trial maybe will happen this year. What so, I found, really I wonder if her parents are still alive. I didn't say. Awful. What I found really distracting in this segment is I kept thinking they were saying Skank High School. Yes. <laughs> 
Well, they were. That's how you pronounce it. It's not how it's spelled. It's spelled very strangely. But yeah, it's pronounced Skank High School. I was like, there's no way she went to Skank High School. But <laughs> she did. She it's did. just, I mean, it's not spelled that way. But yeah, it was very distracting. <laughs> that's the only light I can make in this. Yeah, it's really sad. Horrible thing. Should we rate this episode? Let's do it. So, mysteriousness. Hmm. I want to say, like, some of these were mysterious at the time. It's kind of hard for us to rate these on mysteriousness when they've been solved. And then, I guess, is Bigfoot mysterious? I don't know. I'm kind of a thumb sideways. Yeah, I'm definitely a thumb sideways. I don't think it's super mysterious, but it's fine. How about the reenactments? I liked the reenactments for I thought they were well done. And a lot of, you know, there was a lot of production value, especially in the first one with the dune buggy shots. You get, yeah, you get some dune buggies. You get some Bigfoots. You get... There's some pretty good police chases in your prison break one. You get an old-timey prison break. You get a modern prison break. So I would give this a thumbs up. I'm a thumbs up for reenactments. Fashion. Thumbs up. Yeah, I, there was some really sweet ladies' fashion in, in particular I in this episode. I love those gold. I don't Versace esque weird glasses <laughs> that woman is wearing. They were really good. Really good. All the jewelry that Trudy was wearing and her like hot, yeah, hot love pink it. suit dress love was it. lovely. Um, yeah, and thumbs up for fashion for me. Robert Stack's outfits. You get a parka. You get a turtleneck. turtleneck. He was wearing a very nice blazer at one point. Yeah, I'm a thumbs up thumbs for up. Robert Stack. Out of five, out of out of a possible five out of five, Robert Stacks. Three and a half. I wrote down three and a half. I just you know it's, like, it's okay. I like the variety, but the, you get true crime, you get Bigfoot, but there's a few boring ones mixed. There in. are a few boring ones. The missing areas in particular is pretty boring. We didn't get any long, super long updates, so that was no. Nice. Thank God for that. So I'm a three out. Of, I'm a three point five. Three point five. It's a, it's a decent, solid episode. It's not my favorite episode. Agreed. Worth watching. Yeah. What is your recommendation? My recommendation is there is a new web comic. Um, you can find it on Instagram. It might have a website as well, but it is called Forensic Facts. And it is, it started as, if you remember this meme that was going around that was, my niece wants to know if she, <laughs> if she cuts off her, if she donates her hair for locks of love and that person commits a murder, like what happens to her? And I was like, uh, the DNA is in the hair follicle, so blah, blah, blah. Well. That has been circulated so many times. If I had a dollar for every time I saw that meme in a murder group on Facebook. Yeah. So they started this to say, like, they got annoyed with the fact that. Are you serious? Yeah. So they started a little comic that says, you know, no, because, and it's, you know, I'm going to show Samantha right now. They show you, like, the hair follicle. Oh, my God. That's great. You have to link to that on Facebook. The the, The shaft of the hair has been cut off. The shaft of the hair that has been cut off is dead. It contains no DNA. The root is alive. Blah, blah, blah. So then it gives you, like, actual factual information. And this was so popular that they were like, okay, we'll make a comic with more forensic information. That's amazing. Some of them are five stages of decomposition. Some of them are, this is what you see on TV, and they show you, like... A sexy CIS woman wearing, like, a blazer and sunglasses versus reality, which is a person completely covered from head to toe. hilarious. Wearing goggles and a mask over their mouth so they don't contaminate evidence. And it's just stuff like that. I think I'm surprised, as someone who has done webcomics, I'm surprised by how frequently this updates. It just started, and I feel like there's something every day. Wow. And it gives you... Can you find this on Instagram or is it a website? So the Instagram is literally Forensic Facts and they do have a website that is forensic-facts.com 
and it says fun facts about forensics to dispel pop culture myths i feel like it's an artist and a forensic person who have teamed up but i'm not 100 percent sure about that and i highly recommend it so you can learn some true things oh my god this is great these are really well done there this one is tv versus reality determining age sex and ancestry from a bone and it shows you the tv person saying this pinky bone tells me the victim was a 17 year old white female and then it's in reality the skull pelvis and femur are the only trustworthy sources for this info so it's just here's a sad one well, it depends on where you live, I guess. 83, point, 83 to 85% of murders in Sweden are solved. In the U.S., it's 65%. I feel like that difference is Wallander. <laughs> okay. Except that he's not real. Well, whatever. So, uh, yeah, I highly recommend this. I think it's very cool. Very well done. Yeah. And, you'll, you know, you'll learn a little something. Totally. I love that recommendation. That's my recommendation for the week. I have a recommendation of a Netflix show that mm. I think deserves some more love. Um, it is called Weird Wonders of the World. Okay. I'm watching this because Travis loves to watch what I would consider really boring documentaries. <laughs> like, literally, once he told me that he watched a documentary about glue and thought it was just the best thing ever. I almost fell asleep while you were saying that. <laughs> yeah, he watched a documentary yesterday about the periodic table of the elements. and I fell asleep again. I know. But anyway, so he found this show called Weird Wonders of the World, and I thought I wasn't going to like it, but actually it's really interesting. Basically, what each episode goes through strange things in the natural world or strange science, things that you would see on like a viral video on Facebook. Oh, okay. But a lot of them are things I've never heard of and that are actually kind of crazy. Like I wrote down a couple. One that I thought was particularly strange and interesting was they talked about spider um, silk and how mm. strong it is and how it has a lot of uses in medicine, but you can't farm spiders because they'll kill each other. Like they don't live communally. So you can't have that many, like enough spiders to produce enough silk to use in I like suddenly, for medical purposes. I suddenly feel a real kinship with spiders. <laughs> yeah. They're very solitary. <laughs> so you can't have a spider farm. So what they did was they genetically modified goats so that they put goat, they put spider DNA in goats so the goats are born just looking like normal goats, but in their milk is spider silk. I, <laughs> it's crazy. I'm making the most horrified face of my. I feel like I'm gonna throw. They're like up. they're goat spiders or spider goats, I guess. So in a spider, the silk spider is liquid. Goats, spider goats. And somehow it comes out as silk. So what they do is they milk the goats, and somehow they like spin out the spider silk, and they make massive quantities of spider silk from these goats. You look disgusted. I was fascinated. I thought it was the coolest thing I've ever seen. That's disgusting. <laughs> I want to hurl. But they use this for all kinds of medical purposes. They also apparently make violins out of spider silk, and it sounds better than any violin in the world. I don't know. I thought it was really interesting. There was another one where these two guys, oh I think they were an MIT engineer students or something. If I watch show, do I have to watch spider silk being pulled from a goat? It's just milk, and they like spin it in, a, in like a centrifuge, and like silk comes out. It's not gross. Okay. There's not, I actually, I wouldn't say that there's anything gross in this show. At least I haven't seen anything yet. Um, there's one where these two engineering students made a fire extinguisher that uses sound. So it's just sound waves that puts out fire. Whoa. And they want to use that potentially to put out like forest fires and things. If they That's can like crazy. scale it up. Yeah, it's super cool. They do like weather phenomenon. What I like about the show is that they also interview the scientists who make these discoveries. And they talk about like their expedition to Antarctica to look for some microorganism. I don't know. It's really interesting. If you like weird shit and you like science, I think you would really enjoy the show. I also think kids would really like this show. Hmm. It's not gross. It's not... 
It's just interesting things about animals can, and science. You can be like Travis and expand your learning horizons. Yeah, educate, exactly. Educate yourself. Yeah, you don't have to watch only documentaries about glue. There's interesting <laughs> stuff out there, too. Documentaries about glue. I would have thought that was a joke about something boring. I wouldn't have even believed that was real. Yeah, no, it's real. Huh. So. Huh. I want to watch murder documentaries, and he wants to watch documentaries about glue. That's... We wow. meet in the middle and watch Weird Wonders of the World. On I Netflix. was like, oh. I don't know if this is a Netflix original or if it's from somewhere, but it's really good. I've, we've been enjoying it. Clearly, the two of you need to watch a documentary about super glue fuming, <laughs> because that would be bringing glue <laughs> and bringing the two together. <laughs> together. I think the documentary about glue is just like the most boring example that I can think of. It's Sometimes hilarious. he also likes to. Wa- I mean, maybe this is just a guy thing, but he likes to watch documentaries about like giant engineering projects, like bridges or boats or like. I swear he's made me watch a documentary about the tunnel underneath the Thames River like fourteen times, and he loves it every time. I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> just give me some shows about murder. And you're like, and how many people Somehow died I- building this tunnel? Yeah, a lot. Actually. Oh, well, there you go. A lot of people died. It was very sad. Hmm. So. Hope it was worth it. It probably wasn't, but. Okay. Should we end on that note? <laughs> sure. Our hearts go out to the victims of tunnel building. Yeah. This is a strange episode. Anyway, <laughs> thanks for listening. Let us know what you would call a Bigfoot band. We want to know. And if you have used any goat spider silk. <laughs> And we're on social media things as Perhaps It's You. Facebook, you, Twitter, Instagram, all you that. Can email us at Perhaps It's You podcast at gmail.com. Support the show at patreon.com slash Perhaps It's You. Thank you to our few patrons that have signed up. You're yes. going to get some cool goodies coming your way soon. Yes. And a bonus episode. Woo woo! That's all for now. <laughs> bye. Bigfoot says bye. Bye. Bye.